Capcom. Yeah, well, and then Mercedes say, "Hey, we'll give you ten million dollars." To put George yeah. in your seat. I said, hey. Or, you know. Take George from me Aston today. Martin. That's an Arthur parody. Just going to move on. Come on. Um, you don't like parodies. <laughs> Hello and Welcome to another episode of Rear of the Grid with a bonus little sprinkle of F2 for you. As always, I am your host, Matt, joined as ever by Jashan. How are you today, sir? Oh, a little bit hungover, a little bit tired, but please, I had kingfish sashimi for dinner last night and it was delightful. That sounds very, very fancy. It was. And on today's show, Jashan's favourite son makes his return to F2, but Jashan's other favourite son departs the category. Uh, uh, The big boys, the big boys of world motoring industry, I guess, arrive in Formula One. And the most inevitably inevitable moment in the history of inevitability inevitably comes to pass. All that and more on this, another inevitable episode of Rear of the Grid. another week the mid-season break is coming to an end and so we are here in preview of the belgian grand prix and also a bit of a preview uh later on of the f2 round in belgium so a little double header preview coming your way i have no idea where we actually want to start this but uh, you know what? Let's. You know, I do know, know where I'm going to start. This this. I do know we where I want to start well, recording. I feel like the starting point is a good place to start. Normally, we've talked about it, or we're doing your race, but it's all right. I actually know where I'm at. I'll start you right. off. I'll start no, you no, off. No, 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 no. I've, Matt, I've got Matt. it. I've already made a decision. Okay. All right. So we'll start things off. Well, you know what? We're going to jump. I'm going to jump us straight into what I think has overnight become the biggest news story. At least, mm-hmm. at least the biggest news story in terms of its immediacy and that. There's possibly one story that... Undoubtedly, Braden Maynard getting but... his first ever All-Australian call-up. Yep, I agree. It's game-changing. Uh, Collingwood Magpies, obviously, Flagpies 2022. The Sam Doherty um, wasn't even nominated for All-Australian means that literally that entire system is completely tainted and I cannot take it seriously. <laughs> Like, you basically said, oh, who's just about the best defender in the AFL? Let's just leave him off the list. He's the best defender in fantasy. Doesn't make, you, doesn't make him the best defender in AFL. He's a pr- he's a pretty confident in his... Uh, considering there's been a lot of... You can draw a lot of tangible links between the players who are there and good fantasy scores. I'm not saying all of them. I don't think Brandon Maynard's fantasy relevant. But I don't think you can convince me that Doherty wasn't at least in, like, the 10 best defenders or however many got fucking nominated. Oh, um, yeah. Absolute joke. Yeah, it, it's brutal for Doherty, but uh, look, Braden Maynard, better defender, better player, better man, better human. So oh, I wouldn't go that far. 
he plays it's, it's he plays fine. with Colorado, it's good to see so just pretty, dessert. You know, probably thinks Degoy is a decent bloke, so he's probably a shit person. But oh anyway, God. the big news oh story that we are going to start with as Jashan decides to derail this podcast, which is my job. Um, <laughs> Daniel Ricardo, it has been confirmed overnight by both parties that that deal yeah. is officially been, I guess, terminated or bought out for the 2023 season, and his stint with McLaren shall be ending come season's end. Jashan, I will ask you two questions. Um, first okay. off, are you in any way surprised by this news? And then secondly, um, if you do have any further exact details on, I guess, the workings of how this verdict has been uh, reached, do feel free to elaborate on them. But yeah, are you, are you in any way shocked or surprised by this news? Uh, no. In zero way, my surprise. I think once this story broke about the whole Piastri situation, it became pretty obvious that McLaren had moved on from Ricardo. To be honest, I thought it was pretty obvious when, you know, you had Zach Brown earlier in the season publicly talk about how he felt that Ricardo had been kind of underperforming for a while, uh, which we can all see is, is pretty true. So, no, I'm not surprised. Um, I don't have any more details on how it all came about. I think you made the announcement on Instagram. I do. Everyone's doing that these days. Way to do it. Um, But I do have details on the prospective bidding war that's going to open up for Ricardo's services. Because Ricardo's... Yeah. He's come out and said he he wants to keep racing. He allegedly has a a fire to keep racing. Um, I'm not sure if I believe that. I think personally, he more has a fire for a uh, Heidi Burger. Shout out to to Gerhard Burger. What a prime family! But um, Alpine, Haas, Alfa Romeo, Williams are the teams touted to be in his corner, trying to sign him up, trying to bring him back. So sure. I'll ask you a question, Matt. Yeah. Apart from the obvious Alpine option, which of those teams do you think is most likely slash most ideal for Daniel Well, Ricardo. I'll say straight off the bat, if Alfa Romeo sign him, that is a shocking misstep. You've already got Bottas. Mm. Oh, sorry. If they decide that they're somehow... Got an, if they have somehow an out of Bottas's contract and they decide that they'd rather have Ricardo for some... Well, I mean, that'd still be stupid, but less stupid than the other option. I think if you choose to go Ricardo over Joe, what's the point? Um, unless well, if Alpine snap up Joe because they obviously need a second driver. Well, if Alpine have already snapped up Joe before you can offer them a deal, but like surely you just offer Joe the seat unless Joe is like refusing to take it because he thinks he's about to get Alpine or something. Who knows? Yep. Um, because Joe, Joe is an Alpine Academy driver, isn't he? Or he was. Yep. Um, yep. is he still an Alpine Academy driver? I'm not certain, but he's. <laughs> It's the same way as, like, like, Giovinazzi was not really a Ferrari Academy driver, but he was always linked. But he was, though. He was, he was, I'm pretty sure he was still officially in the Ferrari Academy. I just don't know whether Joe's, like, because no one's really mentioned Joe and Alpine in the same breath anymore. Uh, Um, No, no, no. He, uh, as of the 8th of August, he revealed he has absolutely no ties with Alpine whatsoever. There you go. Um, well, so that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, I think and he 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 said in the same in the same spot. He he came out and said, uh, 
obviously because this is when the Piastri situation yeah. all came to a head. He said that, well, that shows my choice was right. Which is fair enough. So I don't think, well, it sounds like Joe doesn't want to drive for Alpine either. No one wants to drive <laughs> for Alpine. Um, no wants to have drive. we considered the likelihood <laughs> that Spencer may end up in the Alpine seat? Uh, well, he has a license, doesn't that, he? That, that was my point. He's the only one of us who's anywhere nearly yeah. really qualified to drive a car. I mean, I've driven, I've driven a go-kart with moderate success before. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I have driven a car, so they may well consider me. Oh, for technically, the seat. I've driven. I've driven a car as well, not for as far as <laughs> you did, but I have driven a car. Hey, I, I drove on a highway, Matt. I drove. I drove at high speeds. It moved under my application of the throttle, which I decided I did not enjoy, so I stopped. Hell yeah! But yeah, you've got to. You've got to back enjoy. You've you've already got the experienced head there in Bottas. Unless you're somehow thinking that you've got an absolute doozy of a car coming next year that's going to leap you up into, like, fully into, like, kind of the McLaren-Alpine tussle, if not higher, in which case, sure, maybe you want to go, no, we just want to absolute known quantities who we know can get the max out of the car, which obviously I'm not convinced about Ricardo, but I, I think Ricardo can refind it. I just don't think McLaren has proved to be the right fit for him. I'm, yeah. and I think it's, I'm not, I don't, I don't hold your position against you because you, your first experience of Daniel Ricciardo was Renault season two, which was a good season, but that's, you weren't here for the very best of Ricciardo, for the Ricciardo that, I think, like, from your perspective, it probably almost looks like, yeah, well, Ricciardo's a dude who eventually just got completely beat by Verstappen, so he left, and then he's just made increasingly yeah. worse at but, like, he didn't just get beat by Verstappen. This is a man who genuinely took it, who easily gave Max Verstappen the most competition Verstappen has had of any teammates. And I'm including Carlos Sainz mm. in that discussion as one of the biggest yeah, yeah. Carlos Sainz fans. I think Ricardo was more competition for Verstappen as a teammate than Sainz was when Verstappen and Sainz mm. were teammates. So I, I believe he can... Refined it. He's just he's you know it needs to be the right fit and you know Alpha Romeo could be. But unless you unless you think your car is going to be in that spot, and that's the thing. Audi's not arriving. And spoiler alert here. Audi's not arriving till like twenty twenty six or whatever. So yeah. you're probably not going to be an absolute top car until then. So why not keep Joe around? Invest and try to prove loyalty in Joe because if you can get Joe staying there. Get Joe most increasingly more and more integrated in the team. By the time that Audi deal comes along, you're probably going to be getting to the end of Valtteri Bottas, both in terms of contract and arguably career. But if you got Joe, yep. who's been with the team for four years now, knows how it all sort of runs, has four years of F1 experience after his belt, and is a very solid driver, that's your veteran you can have there. And you either look to bring in another guy, or you can pair a youngster with Joe. But you've got, you know, it's a fair call. That so I I think. Alpha would be crazy. Um, any of the other teams, fair enough. I'd still rather Williams went the route of pairing a youngster with Albon. But at the same time, if you want to give Ricardo a one-year deal, I'd only want it to be a one-year deal from Williams. A one-year prove-yourself deal. Because yep. Albon's, Albon's is a multi-year contract, isn't it? I think. Well, he resigned um, earlier this season. 
No, but that's my it point. I, I thought he might have re-signed a multi-year deal. Like, he might be there until 2024 or something. But I was going to say, you put Ricardo on a one-year prove-it uh, deal. Yeah, it is a multi-year agreement. I don't think they've confirmed how many years we're it going, is. Though. We're going with the your thoughts of you'd be better off to leave Sergeant in F2 for one more year and let him sort of stew for a bit longer and continue to improve as a driver. So you give Ricardo a one-year prove-it deal, and if he absolutely drives the wheels off the thing and blitzes Albon every week, maybe you explore ways to um, buy Albon out of his contract because contracts are meaningless in modern society. And if Ricardo absolutely yep. tanks, then you go one year, and then you go, all right, well, you were shit. Um, we're bringing in Logan now because he's the fucking reigning F2 champion or whatever. Uh, well, yeah, well, does that situation depend on whether Logan wins this season? I mean, I don't, I don't think he will, but... I don't... I, we'll get to it in that, but I, I can't see any... But oh, There's only two drivers winning F2 this season, and neither of them are Logan Sargent, so that won't be an issue. They okay. can leave him in F2 if they'd like to. Haas is the interesting one, um, and it depends yeah, who it's going to be with. Um, but if it's Haas... I mean, Haas with either driver, Haas with Schumacher, Haas with Magnussen would be a fine pairing. Otherwise, Alpine... No, it'll be replacing Schumacher... That's what all the rumours are. It, it does seem to be like that. Then it'll be interesting to see where Schumacher lands, whether Ferrari is willing to give up on him or whether I've I've sort of teased, like, Alpha Tower. Does Red Bull make a play at Schumacher? Um, yeah, wow. You know, if, if as I said, if you're, not, if you're not happy enough with how Sonoda's performing, we both agree that none of their Junior Series drivers are yet ready to make that step. Same sort of thing as what I was saying with Kyle. You give Schumacher, you make a play, you poach Schumacher, give him a one-year prove-yourself deal at AlphaTauri, and if he's able to, you know, at least go toe-to-toe with Gasly or, heck, outperform Gasly, then you possibly go, all right, well, you know, you're locked down and we're going to tell Franz and that that, I'm sorry, but you just can't extend Pierre again. He has to go. Or, I mean, also, the other thing is that Pierre ends up, if, you know, if Ricardo goes to Haas, Schumacher goes to AlphaTauri, maybe Gasly's going to Alpine. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe Gasly's going yeah, to Alpine. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Al- I think Haas them, makes the most sense just I was because, say A, Alpine. Ricardo has a huge brand value in America, thanks to Drive to Survive. Like, yes. he's, a, he's a big deal there. And this may well be enough to convince Gene Haas to wake up from his eternal slumber and actually pump some money into the outfit to get that brand value, you know, to get that... In America, he's a superstar. To get that superstar, yes, Daniel Ricciardo leading the team, that could be huge for them. Yeah, I, I, it's got to be Haas or Alpine. I think it's a toss-up for either yeah. of those. Alpine, that, he was obviously happy there. It's an environment I'm sure he'd still be comfortable in. Um, and yeah, one of, one of those two, I'd be very surprised if it ends up being, and disappointed, frankly, if it ends up being William Sarraf or Romeo. But Haas or Alpine... Okay, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And I think... Especially since Gunter Steiner has been reported as contacting Ricardo personally hmm. um, over the mid And I do, break, so I do think the spicier one wrinkle. would be, be Haas to see then where other dominoes fall. Like, is Schumacher completely gone? Or does Schumacher move to a different team, which moves another driver to a different team? Because I, I think the idea of ha- Mercado into Haas, Schumacher into AlphaTauri, Gasly into the Alpine seat, um, and, you know, or, or you know, uh, as sad as it is, Sonoda, Sonoda off to Formula E, and then fucking Alpine has to take a left-field flyer on someone into the second seat. It would both be very interesting. 
Yeah, a lot depends on Sonoda. The rumor has it that AlphaTauri are close to re-signing him, which I don't know if that's necessarily the right move. But yeah, that'll I'm obviously me, again unless unless off. unless the Red Bull Academy is high on Schumacher. Who else are you putting in that seat? They've got no interest in putting. They're not yeah. going to put a non-Red Bull driver into that seat. And yeah, there's you know not a whole lot of other options. Yeah, as we said, all of, Nick all DeVries. Of, Man, see, all the all the F two red and F three Red Bull drivers are either I just don't think they're they're worth promoting, or yeah, you know, like, like I think it was it was simple as that. Yuri Vips would have been the man to get that seat, even though he wasn't oh. gener- he's not generated the results this year. I think we can both agree, talent and pace wise, Yuri Vips would have been worth taking a gamble on, putting him in the seat for a year, see what he can do, see if he just takes to F1 like a duck to water. But they chose to... Last year's a racist. ...with Vips, so... Unfortunate. Uh, I'll ask you, is this the most disappointing move that you've ever witnessed in Formula 1? Just because of how much it was built up, how much it was hyped, and how excited we all were for it uh, on the podcast and just in life, and how it's fallen flat so um, kind of dramatically. It'd, it'd definitely be up there. I mean, depends how you want to, like, gauge metrics of things, because there's been other other moves and that. Like, it was ended up being shorter-lived than it was meant to be. It was that, but, like, he also, you know, he won a race, so... Yeah, it's true. How, like, how does that comparably chart with moves such as... Uh, and did we? I feel like this was a topic we discussed towards the end of last season when Ricardo's first year obviously hadn't been great. But like, how does this discuss with like options of you know, even though that Vettel's entire stint at Ferrari, Vettel went to Ferrari to win a world championship, didn't happen. Yeah. Alonso went to Ferrari to win a world championship, that didn't happen. Um, as I said, both Alonso, I think we we definitely did this topic. Both Alonso, both times of Alonso to McLaren. Are again ones I'd be putting in the discussion, um, but it's certainly it is right up there in the frame for worst transport and from both sides because he's not done good enough, and it's obviously hurt McLaren because for whatever reason he's not been able to take to the car uh, or whatever the yep. issues is. Yeah, they would have been better suited. They they could have used a second driver. It doesn't have to be all the way at Norris's level, but closer to Norris's level to generate more points for them and that. And here, that's the thing. If they had someone, you know, going twice as good as Ricardo was, I think they'd be ahead of Alpine in the standings this year. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So you know, like it's a thing. Like we've said, obviously Alpine is doing great and that, but like. Yeah, the biggest reason McLaren's behind them is because there's such a huge gulf between driver one and driver two. Um, and yeah. on the flip side, yeah, it's a bad move for Ricardo because, well, it's, yeah, knock on the way of that. He's moved further down the grid than he was when he was Renault, and it has damaged his brand. Like, it has indeed. Un- unquestionably, you're here pretty much, you know, slagging off the guy every week, which, oh, oh certainly, like, in an on-track performance is is warranted in that but it's got to the point where you're you know you're critiquing him as well saying oh, i just don't think he's you know head and hearts in it and things like that so this is this has damaged mm. his brand 
and I think overall fan perception for some people, you've now got sort of two camps, the very, very loyal, like, Ricardo stands and that, and then you have people who are like, oh, you know, he's he's a bit shit. He's, I guess he's overrated and stuff. So, yeah. yeah, not been a good move for either party. And I think it is something like a buyout of around $25 million or something like that is what they've had to pay him to... Yeah, yeah, the money is crazy. Good, good gear if you can get it for Ricardo. (laughs) It's not bad. It's a fair tip, isn't it? um, It's a fair tip. So feels that yes is the inevitable conclusion or part one conclusion part one because part two is who's actually in that fucking seat. Like, can they actually employ Oscar? But honestly, I'll take it one step further. You said since the Piastri news broke and maybe even since, like, Zach Brown came out earlier in the year and was a bit critical of Ricardo's performance, I'd say, mm. I'd go all the way back to say this has felt kind of inevitable since the first story started to break about them wanting Colton Hurt, possibly to put Colton Herter into F1. Ah, uh, yeah, back in, yeah, yeah, fair. Um, way back then. Because when it was just, like, the talk last year of wanting to get Pato Award in, and that maybe, like, that felt like, oh, yeah, Pato Award is McLaren driver, it's not good. But the second it was, like, reports started breaking of Herder, who's not a McLaren contracted driver, so it's obviously, ooh, they must really want him, really want that American in a car for the marketing reasons. Then it was like, well, I mean, he's not going to be replacing Norris. Norris is the guy that yeah, has everything not. in. So, yeah, yeah, it's been a long time coming. Uh, but it is now done. And um, good riddance, I say. It'll be interesting to see where everything Good riddance, I say. Shakes Hell out. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to decide that we will leave the other big story of the last couple of weeks. We'll leave that to our last segment so uh cool in the interim i think Chishan, um we'll have a bit of a yes, bit of a peruse through the assortment of our smaller headlines if you'd like so time for a uh, little bit of send it you want to send it do i i'd love to send it i'd love to get all that send you with it before i do it send week? it can i just say matt obviously we've had our little break here our little mid-season break because it's not just a break for the drivers it's a break for us as well what was the most exciting thing you did over the course of this F1 mid-season break? Fuck, I wasn't expecting to have to, like, think about no, what no. I did for the last three weeks. I know. Um, Curveball, isn't it? What have I done? Um, I don't know whether I've particularly done anything that would quantify as exciting. I'll tell you mine. I bought a spork. That's never something you should admit to on audio. Yeah, I was uh, procuring some items for my trip over there to the snow, to a uh, snowboard, namely um, thermals, clothes, You know what? No, okay, that's fair. If I think the one, the one environment in which sporks are acceptable is mm-hmm. like a camping or living sort of simple element where you're like well rather than having a spoon and a fork two utensils that take up twice as much space and things like that exactly you just combine and or if you're eating a meal where you'd have elements where you'd want a spoon and elements you'd want a fork exactly but yeah rather than having two dishes to wash two dishes that that's fair but anyone who like uses a spork in day-to-day life 
Oh, I wouldn't be caught dead, mate. Come on, mate. Come on, mate. Specifically just... for out-of-town activities, of course. Yeah, no, that's understandable. I can, I can allow that. That is, that's mm. logical and practical. Hell yeah. That's what I was striving for. Logical oh, what's the practical? most exciting thing that happened to me? Oh, mate, I bet on myself and managed to keep Derrick Henry and the third pick in our upcoming NFL fantasy draft. That's easily oh, the most you. exciting thing that happened to me over the season break. Or or the fact that I'm for the third time in five years, I took the flag in AFL fantasy. Also fuck you. It's a double fuck you. Did you get my money, by the way? Did you get the payout? Um, I haven't checked. When did you send it? Uh, I think I think yesterday. I'll have a I'll have a look. See, I don't think I've checked since Tuesday Ugh. when I last logged in. Tuesday. Ugh. Come Tuesday. Well, regardless, I have paid you out for your success in our AFL fantasy league. Congratulations. You have indeed. You are the god of fantasy for another year, and it's awful. But uh, alas, shall we send it? We shall. We shall. Did I send it or did I not didn't send it? Yeah, you sent oh, it. Oh, send it! Smooth operator. Smooth Oh, send it! Beautiful. So, this is the segment where I rattle through a few headlines from the turbulent world of Formula One. Matthew gets to pick one that he likes to, uh, he wants to talk about, and I'll pick one as well. I'm going to go through six today because I couldn't figure out which one I wanted to cut out of these last six. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how we go. Number one, courtesy of Crash.net, Antonio Giovinazzi gets harsh practice outings. Could it be a path back to F1? Question mark. Oh, Crash. Headline number two. <clears throat> Hold the phone. One, two, three, four, five, six. Ah, oh, yeah, fair cop. Courtesy of The Race. A fun little website, The Race. I like it. F1 Chief explains resistance towards Andretti entry. Headline number three. ESPN. Kimi Raikkonen crashes out of NASCAR return. What a king over there at Watkins Glen. Headline number four. Review. Was the 22-year wait... For an F1 manager game, worth it. Courtesy of the race yet again. Headline number five. Teams insist new anti-porpoising technical directive. Not a major issue ahead of Belgian Grand Prix. Over there on the official Formula One website. And headline number six. Again, courtesy of the race. Domenicali can't see female driver in F1 in next five years. Consider it sent. Okay, Matthew, there's actually, there's actually a lot that are worth talking about because I think they have interesting topics beyond. Yeah. Them. I'm probably going to do as I always do and end up talking about multiple because they're <laughs> worth touching on. Um, well, very, what's, uh, what's the main one you're going to talk about? What's the, I'm currently tossing. Uh, I've I probably probably Domenicali's comments just there about. Um, a woman in modus uh, F1 in the next five years. Just quickly before that, I will... Mm. The Giovinazzi... Well, I'm assuming... I don't know. I'm assuming you probably want to talk about the F1 manager game. <laughs> Surely. <laughs> Surely that's what you're going with. 
Oh, absolutely, obviously. Um, the Giovinazzi one, I think, is just interesting. First of all, I don't think it's a path back into F1. But I do think it's interesting in just... Uh, yeah, it just seems... Uh, it's weird. Like, teams almost seem to be struggling to... Or just, yeah, reluctant in putting um, guys in those cars for the FP1 sessions. And maybe a bit of a reluctance to put it... Like, if you don't have a direct affiliate driver, a reluctance to just put in some like somebody else's academy driver or just a random F2 driver for maybe fear of, you know... I guess in Haas's case, fair enough. You'd want someone who you know is not going to crash the car. But it's just, it's just I don't know. It's interesting that Geo, who's already a fully known quantity and I wouldn't have thought is even eligible yeah. for the thing, but I guess maybe... I don't know. It just seems weird to me that Giovinazzi is the one they're putting in there for an FP1 test. It is odd. It is odd. Because uh, there's been all this chat about like how much power do Ferrari have over Haas and that second seat uh, it with regards to the Mick Schumacher versus Daniel Ricciardo situation. And obviously, like, Gio is, is a career Ferrari guy, um, or has been at least. And is that playing a part here as well? I don't know. It seems a bit odd if Ferrari has still got a vested interest in Gio after all this time. I'm not too sure why. But, yeah, he, he's still Ferrari reserve driver, Gio. So he, he's still very much a Ferrari guy. It's very strange. But he's also... He made seven FP1 appearances with Haas back in 2017. So he, he's no stranger to the outfit. Oh, absolutely not. It's... Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, the other one, just quickly, it's the Kimi Raikkonen story, but I didn't watch the Watkins Glen. I mean, Watkins Glen's off to one, but I've not... I just don't have... It, in me to keep a really close tabs on NASCAR anymore. There's too many other things that have overtaken my interest in it, especially with the format changes, and it's become harder for me to consume. Although now it's back on Benson. It became too hard to consume and easily find. Now it's back on KO, but I've already lost the active, active interest in it. But from what I've heard, he was actually putting together, I'm not sure just how high he'd run up to. I'd need to probably go... He ran 44 laps. I want to. I'm more interested where he was running. I should try and track down um, the clip of the accident or something, so I can see where he was up to in the standings. But from what I heard, he was actually having a pretty solid run before he was wrecked by Ross Chastain, who I gather um, is developing a yeah. bit of a knack and a reputation for this. That's that's something that is. Well, it's not like punishable in NASCAR. Um, it may get you if you if you race people hard, people will race you hard back. So it may get you in return put in the fence. But it's not like if you start, you know, running people off the road every weekend that you're gonna get a race ban unless it's like a real, real like you drive them. You know, you turn hard right coming up to a left hand corner and spear them into a fence or something. But if you just give them no fucking room. And force them off the road, that's considered perfectly fine in NASCAR. Just the other driver might be a bit, you know, perturbed. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so Dan, yeah, I was a bit disappointed to um, see that. It sounds like Kimmy was having a solid run in that. It would have been nice to see what he could do if, yeah, he got to do the full race um, without any, you know, major incidents. But no, the story I do think is maybe worth expanding on story? <laughs> a little bit deeper. This is the one I actually want to give, like, credit to that. So yeah, this comments about... Um, not really seeing a woman in F1 within the next five years. Um, I mean, I'd love to disagree with him, but I think all you need to look at, well, yeah, to, or, well, there's only, all you need to say, there is, if you look across the landscape of motorsport and what we can see, um, there's only one woman 
I think, out there right now, who I think you could see as anywhere of a remote chance of being in the sport in the next five years. I mean, there is obviously the possibility. Obviously, for both of our knowledge doesn't expand too far beyond F3, and someone could conceivably come into F3 next year and go about three or four years in the junior categories and just scrape in. Oh, God. Oh, did it cut out? Oh, for fuck's sake. <sighs> Oof. Hello? Someone could, uh, you know, jump into F3 next year and spend about three years in the junior categories and then obviously make it within that five-year window. But Jamie Chadwick's the only person I think anyone yes. will have talked about and that. And I, I want her, or at the very least, I'd like to see her get given an F2 seat and see how she goes. And she may get completely dusted, and that is fine, but... You know, it would be nice to see that definitively proved. And I mean, I say I've said it a few times, I don't know why Williams doesn't take a fire on her. They get a huge amount of press at the start. Even if she's performing crap, they'll get press. And it's not really going to damage their brand. It might, mm. it, it could damage Jamie. It obviously, it'll damage Jamie's brand if she gets, you know, found out. Well, I mean, but, look, she, she goes to F2, even if she. If she fails, then she just goes back to Formula W and, and just oh, yeah. some no, titles I, there. I, I it it probably damages the overall reputation of the W Series if their complete, you know, prodigious winner gets dusted by shitters like Ollie Caldwell. Not yes. ideal. I don't um, think that would necessarily but yeah, happen. I, but, I, it's, yeah. it's disappointing. It's one of those things. I think, I think it's inevitable it will happen at some point because, you know, there is... Like there are there are talented female out, out there in all different walks of life. It's not a wow. sport where Hot take, you heard it here first, boys. There are talented females out there. But Can't like the point that's the thing, we we are seeing increasing numbers it's still nowhere near where you'd want it to be, but we are slowly seeing increasing numbers of females in key positions in other walks of life. Obviously we're seeing better quality of performance and funding and overall product in other sporting categories where obviously men's sport and women's sport are split into two because it wouldn't be as feasible. So the thing with Formula One is it's obviously the WC that, but like an entire women's F1 series makes no sense and that there is greater... Because there have been females in various categories of motorsport that do win certainly like lower levels and some you know higher up the totem pole and that i believe we may have had you know i'm not sure that but i believe there's been some like female rally champions and things in the past because you know it's not I mean, obviously there's a lot of this for that but yeah it's more reaction times and some of the other things which i don't think is anywhere near as big of a golf in terms of you know it doesn't matter if you can't hit a ball 120 meters it's driving a formula one car women are able to drive cars so another hot but, take <laughs> <laughs> you know you know what I mean? so yeah but that's the thing he's right because there just doesn't seem to be anyone on the radar if the no one's going to take that chance on jamie chadwick there hasn't there isn't someone who is making waves and it is one of those things where and i still think possibly Susie wolf was one 
I think should have. He ran a few practice got, got a chance, and I think Chadwick's one who probably should have as well. But at the same time, in many ways, it doesn't hurt if, you know, we have to wait a little bit longer than you would have liked in the sport and make sure when someone does, like a female does find her way into F1, that it is, it's the right one. Wait until someone emerges who has, you know, shown top-level results all the way up through the junior categories to the point that no one can dispute her being there and she'll have the absolute best chance of being competitive once. So, yeah, because with all those things, you've got to... You can't just... Like like with anything in life, you can't just barrel headstrong in and absolutely hope for the best and just hope it's all be sunshines and rainbows. You've got to, you know... You've got to weigh things up. It's my always... Well, that's it's not my, true for everything in life. Sometimes it's good to barrel in. Oh, but it depends. Yeah, okay. It's worth. It's good to barrel in if there's not big issues of repercussion. But like, you shouldn't just. You shouldn't just go. Oh, you know what? I currently have some money lying around, so fuck it. I'm just gonna buy a house without doing anything to it through. Because <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Because if oh, you absolutely. fuck it up and the market crashes or something, you're fucked for life. It's the same thing. It was my slight concern going into the Women's Cricket World Cup with the announcement that the final was gonna be at the MCG, and I was like, this is awesome. This could be really great. What happens if, I mean, if it's 20K, which would be a huge ground for a women's cricket match in Australia, what happens if 20K turns up, the MCG looks empty, how much negative press does that generate, how much does that set the game back? Now, they absolutely nailed that. But again, I've got the same concern about to roll up for the um, Women's Football World Cup here next year, which I'll probably go to multiple games for, but they've made the interesting, and personally for me, incorrect step, every game is being played at a major rectangle stadium. None of them are out at suburban grounds and that. Now I'm not I'm I'm scared about whether they can get a big enough crowd for the World Cup final in this country, um, in Sydney, which for starters, what a bizarre decision putting the final in Sydney, not Melbourne. I do not understand that in the slightest. Um but more so as well, like you know, how big of a crowd like when you know, Spain plays Panama at Suncorp Stadium in front of, you know, Queenslanders and they're just, you know, their real acceptance of anything other than blokes running into other blokes really hard. Um, like how many people are you going to get at that in Suncorp Stadium? Because the Cricket World Cup at least put, you know, regional grounds. Crowd cap- maximum capacity, 4,000 people. You get 3,500 people. Looks great. 3,500 people turn up to Suncorp. Looks terrible. My point yeah. with this being, it's the same thing. It's yet it's all well and good if we just thrust a female driver in there. That's awesome, but if she absolutely sinks, does that do more damage for the overall, you know, cause and the try and the push and the drive to get you know a female, more female oh, support and that than if she? Because you know, that's the thing. You could argue media wise and attention and that. I'm sure it's it's the way up. Has did Danica, you know? Yeah, did Danica Patrick in NASCAR expire more females or enough young girls and that that they could, you know, really do this? And we won't know that for sure for probably another... Well, we'd possibly say that, but it may not be another decade completely until some of the ones who are, you know, five or six when Danica Patrick was in NASCAR and are currently, you know, 12 or 13 now and still have another almost decade till they're getting up there to go before we'll know for sure. But, like, the flip side of, like, the number of young girls she expired that, hey, you can do this, how does that weigh up against possibly at least the contemporary right then damage 
but it did to the idea because Danica caught a lot of backlash, and that's that's the issue. Danica got too much of media attention, really, for someone who was sitting in her position on the track. You know, they're not interviewing the guy who finishes twenty eighth every race, but Danica would come twenty seventh and be interviewed every single week. So it's a yeah, it's a it's a tough one, but hope you know. The thing, the hope is with the W series, at least getting decent exposure and stuff like that. Um, that you know, people will come through in future. But that was a lot of me talking, so I don't know whether you have any thoughts on this particular matter. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think the way to do it, um, just in the case of Jamie Chadwick, is yeah, F three first, and and if that goes well, then F two. You know, take it, take it slow. There's no I reason, you like just, you said, to, I, to, well, to rush it. Run, mate, F3... mate, you can't talk for fifteen minutes and then give me five seconds. Come on, W series isn't no, 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 no. F two. She's too for old God for F three. She's is there an age parameter? She's not breaking into Formula One when she's 32. You put her in F2, and if she flies, she flies. If she sinks, she sinks. But you can't go, we'll put a five-year plan in place. She's too old. She's 24. She's not going to be breaking into F1 when she's 29. She'd be easily the oldest driver in F3 if you put her in there next year. Well, she go. Let's say, like, if it works, right, one year in F3, she wins. All right, now she's 25. Give her a year in F2. She's really good. She's 26. That's not very old at all. That is for a... But, again, also, I agree with you. I don't think I don't think Jamie Chadwick necessarily will be the one who breaks into a Formula 1. But no. there's no point in just leaving her in the W Series and not trying her out. And for, for the case of Williams in F3, F2, just to see, like, you know, can she stack up with those guys? Like, is the, is the talent there? Because, I mean, she's going to win the W Series title this season for the third year running. No one is really close to competing with her in that category whatsoever. And at some point, there needs to be a progression. And this is what people have been talking about. Uh, specifically, Lewis Hamilton has come out and talked about this, that there doesn't seem to be any progression for female drivers right now through the ranks. There's no clear pathway. And that's what Domenicali has addressed kind of with this interview here. He was asked, I'm not too sure by whom, but basically he was asked, you know, will does he think there'll be a driver, a female driver in, in Formula One within the next five years? He said no, because currently there just isn't the pathway through the junior categories. And that's what they're going to work on. Theoretically, he said he wants yeah. the FIA to institute some kind of more grassroots support. Yeah. For female drivers in the category. Absolutely. And we've seen that with, I think, Alpine recently uh, started this new program called the, it's a bit cringe, the Race Her program. So spelled R-A-C-H-E-R, which is yeah. uh, aiming to dramatically increase the percentage of women in both its automotive and motorsport brands, as well as promote female driving talent via its academy. So we'll see if that pays any dividends. Uh, but yeah, it's the goal allegedly, according to Domenicali, is to get women driving in F3 and F2 at the same age as the guys are. So when they're 17, 18, getting, you know, getting yeah. that kind of level, which will probably take time. But it's a, it's a good goal to strive for, and hopefully we see some work there. But uh, yeah, anything else on the matter there, Matt? No, I don't think, yeah. Baller. That's the thing. You need. We need to be seeing them. Yeah, in those categories at 
really a com a comparable age. There's no point having a female driver in there to almost just make up numbers as one of, you know, the oldest drivers on the grid in that, like, Roy Masani role. You want, you know... F F3 isn't, for the large part, F3 is the realm of the teenager. F2 is the realm of the 19, 20, 21 year old. There's mm. no point having a 25 year old in F2, really. Oh, but Jake Hughes is killing it. But Jake Hughes yeah. isn't. It, Jake Hughes isn't in there to progress to the next level. Of the sport. No, name, but I think it'll be good to see, like, is, is a W Series oh, yeah, champion yeah. as good as That's an F2 absolutely, competitor? Absolutely. That's all I'm, I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just meaning in general with some of the other ones. I'm not talking specifically Chadwick here, though I still think because W Series, I believe, F3 spec cars and that, and she's done F3 level series before. There's no point putting her in F3 again. I think you just put her in F2 and see if she can hang it with that and be done with it. But just in general, yeah, there's no point having... Some of that, because I name any of the 25, you know, 23, 24-year-old plus drivers in F2, and any of them guys we have on our radar of actually taking the next step, and I don't think they are. It's, you know, the likes of Nasani and Hughes and stuff like that. And it's like, well, they're here. In the case of Hughes, it's nice, but we all know that Hughes is never making it to Formula 1. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, you know, uh, Jamie Chadwick, F2 race winner or F2 podium getter is, is, is cool. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and shows at least that, yeah. If not F1 ready, she's right there, you know? Yeah. Right there. On the cusp. And then a W Series champion can be, you know, at least in the conversation for an F1C. That'd be nice. But, uh, yeah, the title I obviously want to talk about is uh, the Formula 1 manager game. Because it's a huge story. Uh, groundbreaking, in fact. There hasn't been an official Formula 1 manager game since, well, it's been 22 years, Matt. That's a long time. How many hours have you locked on it already? I have not bought it. It's like 90 bucks, and it's too expensive. And the fellas convinced me to buy Divinity Original Sin 2 instead, so I, I bought that for some reason. Plus, I spent a bunch this of money on cocktails last night. This is why I've got to remember, so. I can't let you go on skiing trips with the boys. They corrupt you. You need to be hanging out with me so I can convince you to spend big money on things like F1 Manager and... <laughs> The fact that you have a PC now, so you should just buy um, Xbox Game Pass on it and play Forza. <laughs> with me. Um, apparently, the 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 game is graphically impressive. Allegedly, the uh, commentary, courtesy of David Croft and Karun Chandok, is um, yeah, two two bangers Woo! right there. It's nice and authentic. Um, yeah, apparently the realism isn't quite. Apparently, it's not very good. You know, it's a fun concept, but it's not as realistic as the uh, as as what it was touted as. Uh, no journey of wrestling, hey? Nah, no one near journey. That's the, that's the thing. You go for this fancy, built-up, you know, all flash, no splash. You know, sometimes you it's just got to keep it simple, mate. Kiss. Well, that's the keep it simple, thing, stupid. Like, with a with a manager game and things like that, you got to think it's not really how like cricket manager. Like cricket captain and like footy manager, let's be real. Graphics are fucking dog shit. Oh, garbage. But they don't need to be. Because then that's the thing. What makes a good sim is how it seems. Like you can get away with not, not realistic in terms of driver transfers and even kind of how it plays and that with like the F1 game or like the NBA 2K series. Because as long as it's still like fun to do the thing, even if it's not very realistic or fun to do with your mates, yeah, it's still fun to play. 
But if you're buying F1 manager, you know, footy manager, cricket captain, things like that, oh, yeah. you want it to, you know, yeah, the the digitized part, the simulation, the way the rest of the world plays out around what you're choosing to do. Because it's not so much about, you know, the thing, like, I don't know, obviously, how left one but, like, footy manager, I can't choose which person my player passes it to. But I can, during the game change the tactics so i want i want that to that outside to work good if i suddenly decide okay let's start playing only long balls and just try and counter attack or whatever and use our pace i want to make that change and i want to see my people you know simulate start doing that so you have one man yeah you need to have that realism of the world feels real in that and if the graphics and that are fucking awful it's fine you get by with it again you know there are plenty okay. of games out there that are considered genuinely iconic that don't have, like, oh, my God, look how that feels like. Minecraft might be the greatest video game oh ever made. Oh, my God. And it is basically blocks. It's <laughs> because like, bringing Minecraft into the equation. You, don't need, you uh, don't need pristine graphics to be a great game. So speaking of blocks. Speaking of blocks, Matthew, I have a question for you. Karun Chandok has come out with his top five drivers so far of 2022. Yep. I want your thoughts on this. Number yep. five, Lando Norris. Yep. Number four, mm-hmm. Lewis Hamilton. Number mm-hmm. three, George Russell. Number two, Charles Leclerc. And number one, would you believe it, Max Verstappen. Is Karun Chandhok correct? Um, I don't have the right spreadsheet open. Give me one second. Ah, without the spreader. Love that. Well, I mean, I, I, I have my own personal list here. Um, I had Verstappen in first. I had, bot- um, not quite, but he's fair. I, those drivers, I had Verstappen in first. I had Hamilton and Russell in a tie for third, also with Esteban Ocon. And then I have Lando Norris in sixth, in a tie for six. Oh, sorry, yes, in a tie for sixth with uh, Leclerc. So I wouldn't say he's, like, horrifically wrong. That's, that's fairly spot on. That's more than acceptable top five. I personally believe both Mercedes drivers have actually performed better than Leclerc. I think Leclerc's been good, but Leclerc's had the best car. He's not done insane things with it. And I think that's just, that's hard sleeping. I'll leave out Ocon short, but I think you're hard sleeping on Bottas. Yeah. Who, as we've said in our, our mid-season review episode, is completely carrying Alfa Romeo points-wise and way performing above where you would expect that car to be. But oh yeah, it's not a it's not it's not like he's like had anything absolutely ludicrous there. Like I reckon that'd Fair be job. a lot of people's top five drivers this season. Carl Carlos Sainz, not in the equation. Carlos Sainz a bit steep, but I think I I have signs I have signs. I'm a Carlos Sainz fan and I mm. graded him below every driver that was mentioned on that list. So Fair Cup, there you go. Karin Chandhok, not quite the blockhead we thought. <laughs> All right. Um, I've got like one more little mini segment I can ask you um, before we get into Audi, or do you want to kind of speed things along? It's up to you. Oh, we can go a quick mini segment. That's all, that's all right. We'll figure it all out. Jolien Palmer, another alleged blockhead, um, has come up with his five key questions for the final nine races of 2022. Matt, do you think you can answer Jolien Palmer's questions? 
we'll find out. But um, do you have any uh, stories pertaining to um, Will Buxton? Because then you'll look no. at the Holy Trinity. No, I'm That's not. I've, Buxton's been quiet, man. He hasn't been doing a whole lot on the F1 website. He's been too busy collecting wristbands, I think. Now, Palmer, first key question. Will Mercedes be in the fight? The title. Fight. What's defined as the fight? That's so it's, vague, it's just, but yes, just a question, they will. The fight. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Mm. Could the the new the new impact of the the, the new technical directive could help. Uh, basically, the new technical directive that they brought in is just that the FIA are allowed to inspect ride height and and plank width and all this shit pertaining to porpoising much more closely than they were before. So any team who are kind of like skirting the boundaries of legality um, will be found out, ostensibly. And then they might change minimum ride height next season. I love that word. Which word? Ostensibly. It's a great word. Question number two. Can Ferrari sort out their issues? No. Next question. (laughs) Question number three. Can anyone stop Max? No. Next question. (laughs) Question number four. And I think this, like, at first, this seems stupid, but I think it's actually quite interesting. Can Ricardo get on top of the McLaren? Will the freedom granted to him, knowing that he no longer has to drive with Lando Norris next season, will that promise of a better life make him so happy that he will actually learn how to drive this car? I'm going to go with no, but also yes. I don't think he'll, he won't get on top. It's a, it's a, actually, it's a very, as you said, I agree with your assessment of the question. It's a fair point. Um, I don't think he'll be seeing him outdriving Norris in seven of the next nine rounds, but like, wouldn't surprise me if the, the, how the fuck did that come from result of the season ends up being like Ricardo on the podium just in one of these rounds, the big middle finger. Yeah. But the rest of the races, he'll probably still be crap as always. If, if that happens, if Ricardo does turn around like, are we on his side again? I'm not too sure. I'd love it, but also oh, it's like, well, why didn't you Absolutely. do this before? Um, I mean, yeah, uh, the, the model of factors and that. I don't really expect him. I think he can turn it around in a new car next year. I don't think he can turn it around in this McLaren. I think he can have one more like reminder of how good he is result, but yep. I don't think he can have the car figured out per se. Fair call. Next question. Who else can surprise this season? Any surprise packages? Any bold predictions, perhaps? Did I... Hold up. Let me return to the spreadsheet. Um... I think if anyone gets the how-the-fuck-did-that-happen victory, it's Haas. I think Haas is the prime care. Assuming that... I, I'm assuming... Taking a, I don't want to repeat how the fuck did that happen, winner. It'll be Haas. Haas, Haas can get a, Haas will get a win. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't need another Ocon win. I think we've had our Ocon win. That's enough. Um, oh, I don't know. I, I, an Alonso win could be quite fun. Oh, or well, maybe one Vettel. last no, Vettel. one last Vettel victory out of so fucking Vettel, nowhere Vettel, would be Vettel in Abu Dhabi. Vettel in oh. Abu Dhabi. It'll just the car will hook up. Yeah. That'd be nice. All right. And I've got one question for you just on a personal level, and it pertains to the driving... No, sorry. The calendar. The race calendar. What's it called? The, the fucking... 
the calendar. As we know, Las Vegas is coming in next year. They are trying desperately to bring China back for the first time since 2019. That obviously depends on COVID. In theory, that's those are two extra... No, sorry. Las Vegas is replacing France. That's confirmed. China will be an extra stop on the calendar. The one last... Oh, and Qatar will also be back. Obviously, they're not racing in Qatar this year because of the World Cup. Yes. But it will be back next year in Losail. So two extra races... The one final wrinkle is whether or not they can finalize a deal with Kyle Army. And I will ask you, Matt, would you rather see a, a Formula One drive in Kyle Army or Spa moving forward? Spa. Bang on Spa. Kyle Army would be great, but we're not we're not picking one heritage track over another. It's heritage <clears throat> tracks over tracks with no legacy. We're not trading. We're not. We don't. You know, we don't trade lives here, mate. We don't trade one legendary track for another legendary track. That's not how it okay. works. All right. I like that answer. That's a strong answer. And Spa, at the, Kyle Army's great, but it's not Spa. Nothing is Spa. Ah. If, 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 if F1 leaves Spa, there's almost no point in it being F1 anymore. That'd be like if the English Premier League decided... To, no more games you know, at Old Trafford. No, not even that. But like, it'd be like if the English Premier League was just like, all right, we're still going to call ourselves the English Premier League, but um, actually, we're going to be exclusively made up of teams from Saudi Arabia because they'll pay us more money. Um, and it's like, well, you're not the English Premier League, then are you? True. You can't be the True. English Premier League without Everton in it. Gotta love Everton. Shout out to Frank Lampard. Is he Everton manager? Fuck yeah. I don't pay yeah. enough attention to things. Yeah, he's the Everton that's manager. A, that's not going well, is it? Eh, it's not ideal, no. He, he, um, he got them out of relegation. <laughs> he did. He did. Uh, regardless, let's move on to the last big piece of news, and then uh, we'll jump into a quick preview of Belgium. So, the big announcement is that in the coming years, Audi have struck a deal to take over the Sauber F1 team and will be supplying both chassis and engines. So, we will have Audi on the grid as an engine supplier with the works. 2026. Being, thank you for confirming that. Yes, so for 2026 with the works team being uh, Sauber. Um... Yeah, personally, I think this is... Well, obviously, we've teased it earlier in the year. We talked about it. There was that talk. We could be getting both Porsche and Audi. I think this is exciting. I personally think this is one of the best teams for it to be. The other one being something like Williams, as long as you will keep them. Like, I hope it's, like, some combination of, you know, Audi Sauber or something as, as the name in that. I hope the Sauber title is in there. Yep. Um... Yeah, I think this is better. As I said, I didn't want it to be something like McLaren. I want McLaren to operate a little bit more as their own thing. Uh, yep. Yeah, what do you what do you make make of this? And that are you as equally excited as I am for the prospect of potentially a new team that can compete at the top? Yeah, look, I, I love the Alfa Romeo brand, and I, I guess I don't know just the the suaveness and coolness of an Alfa Romeo, but obviously. They're not a heavy hitter in the same way that Audi are. Like, Audi are, I think... Well, that group is the biggest motorsports group in the world, and Audi are, in many ways, the flagship product. Was it... Is it 
Audi, is it the, fuck, what, 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 what it? universe is Audi the flagship product of the Volkswagen group? Right, it's Volkswagen, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Volkswagen's the flagship Well, Audi's Volkswagen still pretty group. fucking big, alright? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Audi's absolutely. still pretty fucking big, and I, I this is the first time they will be stepping into Formula One. Obviously, the other, the other big one is that, in theory, Porsche will become Red Bull's engine supplier in the same year. Porsche have yes. been in the sport three times previously. This is Audi's debut appearance. And it happens because of this push towards environmental concerns, which is awesome. I think, you know, really? it's easy to, to be cynical and think that, okay, with DTS being what it is and, and Formula One growing, that these guys are being cynical, which obviously they are. But they also are coming in on with the caveat that the Formula One are making a concerted effort to be more environmentally friendly. The new... The new fuel, I believe, comes out in 2026 as well, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right in saying that? I'll go it. That seems reasonable. The sustainable fuel. Formula One. Sustainable fuel. No. Fuck. 2030. Wait, no. Sustainable fuel that can be used in F1 cars from 2026... And can be utilized by most road cars across the world. So yeah, 2026. Going to be a big year for Formula 1. 2026. Going to be a huge one. But yeah, no, I, I like this. 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 Um, I think Audi is much more important to be in the sport than Andretti. Even though I would have liked to see Andretti get in there just as an 11th team. But yeah. I'm, yeah, no, I'm a fan. Let's let's make it happen. It's oh, absolutely. Be cool. well, I think anytime you can have another factory, effectively factory outfit on the grid, that would take us up to yep. four factory outfits plus Red Bull plus McLaren. You would, in theory, be hoping you're talking six big teams and if continued investment in, like, by Doralton and Williams can maybe sort it out, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it, it's, like, it's interesting to note that the current Audi CEO, Marcus Deusman was head of development for the BMW Sauber team between 07 and 09. I, I was so. literally about to say the last time Sauber was affiliated with one of the biggest German car brands, they won a race. There you go. So good good things happen. And I think that, we so. can both agree that Audi's cooler than BMW. So, um, I mean, they're both less cool than Mercedes. Not in a Formula One context. But in a road context, Mercedes is the coolest of those three. That's fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. They're all kind of pretty cool. They're all kind of wankery cars, though. Like, Why aren't Volkswagen the, the the guys coming through? Let's get a Golf out there on the track. Fuck yeah. Well, I was just thinking the fact that Audi's here. Obviously, my big experience about now my experience of Audi and motorsport is in two places. Obviously, DTM, the German Touring Car Championship where I believe I was an Audi fan because I believe Red Bull, uh, Matthias Ekstrom drove an Audi, I believe, in the Red Bull-backed apt motorsport. Uh, and then the World Endurance Championship, Le Mans and that, where Audi was a top team. They won three or four Le Mans in a row, and then we're like, right, we've done that. We're going to fuck off now. Um nice. And I was a Peugeot fan at that time when the big rivalry at the top of WEC was Peugeot and Audi. So I'm like, I don't know, am I going to have to, um, guess I'll have to start barracking harder for Renault um, <laughs> when Audi rock up on the grid. Love to see it. 
but yeah. yeah, no, this will this will be exciting. It's it's good that it, it has now eventuated. It is set in stone, barring something going horribly wrong. And yeah, the fact we could be up to five engine suppliers on the grid in yeah. 2026 is yeah makes it juicy makes it very juicy and hopefully potentially the presence of a big another big german brand there will could be incentive to keep mercedes in the sport so they can try and flex a look our product is better than an audi our engines are better than audis um because i think there's i think there should be legitimate concern mercedes could walk away from the sport at any time what more have they got to achieve yeah that's uh, the kind of thing. You walk away and you come back again in another 20, 30 years when life's moved on and Mercedes wants to rock up and show how they're better at making, you know, hydrogen-propelled um, engines or whatever we're working on, or, you know. But until, uh, you know, that tech takes another leap forward in that, yeah, what more Mercedes got to prove. But alas, uh, let's move things on and speed things up. A little bit. Let's get on to a preview of the Belgian Grand Prix itself. Yeet! Yeah. So, obviously, last year... Rain. Really have much... Have you seen the forecast for the weekend, Matthew? I have seen the forecast (laughs) for the weekend. It is ominous, to say the least. Um, yes, of course, last year, uh, Max Verstappen won the race ahead of George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. Um, it was a genuinely great qualifying session, and obviously we had the crazy result of George Russell whacking it on P2, um, and then yes, unfortunately the weather only got worse from there, and we were robbed of what could have been a very fun and interesting race to see, to see, you know, how well George could completely hang on, how well he could hang on, what, how that would have gone down, and just all the other things, um, and then obviously yes, there was a controversy over the fact that we ran, I think, two laps under pace car before red flagging, and all that was Ugh. enough to constitute half points. We're not going to get scandal of the century, Obviously, Matthew. All the rules have now changed, and that. Um, the previous year, when we actually did see a race, we obviously had Daniel Ricciardo's brilliant drive to not quite get a podium from memory. That came a few rounds later at Mugello, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um. But yeah, are you you looking forward to this weekend? Fuck oath, I am cunt. I'm absolutely cheap. This, this has been this has sort of been the big one that we've all kind of had circled as possibly the the stop on the calendar we're most looking forward to, isn't it? Yeah, well, we both agreed that Spa was the race we are most looking forward to um, when we did our little what are we and looking was, forward to segment. It was in my original prediction for race of the year. Yes, um, indeed. Which I think says a lot. I think if you ask the vast majority of F1 fans to name... Maybe not their favorite, like certainly their top five. Maybe if you name your three favorite racetracks, I reckon Spa is appearing on north of seventy percent of lists. And the further you expand it out, like I reckon it's north of seventy percent of people's top three. I reckon it's mm. probably north of eighty percent for top five. And if you go to top ten, I think it's on just about every list. Yeah. Um, the Absolutely. fact that Spa's even even remotely being considered, and I know it's. Most of the drivers, it's one of their favorite tracks. The fact that Spa is even remotely being considered as being dropped from the calendar just shows how, not out of touch, because I don't think it's out of touch, just how money motivated and not caring about 
you know, yeah, just how it's all it's all just about maximum profit now. Yeah. Because if you yeah. genuinely compared about the product of the sport or what the fans want, what the drivers want, Spa would never be in the frame to leave because it's the best track on the calendar and the most it and Monaco are the two most historic and prestigious tracks on the calendar. Yeah. And Spa, unlike Monaco, actually would have a place. It would make sense on a calendar if we were making F1 today. Monaco, if we just invented F1, you'd never go there because it would be stupid. Um, <laughs> but likewise, I am very excited for this weekend. Um, Predictions-wise, well, you'd have to assume Charles Leclerc will probably be on pole. Spa's an interesting one because it's got a couple of really long fucking straights, but it's also yeah. got a lot of technical things, so it'll be hard to predict exactly who it leans on. But you know what? I'm actually going to back... I think I think Max to get pole. I think Max to finally break that yeah. stranglehold of Leclerc on the pole positions. Um, Podium-wise... Well, it's, it's, it depends whether or not it's wet. You know what? I'm going to back that the conditions are actually going to be mixed, and so I'm going to take George Russell to win the race ahead of Verstappen and... Lando Norris, I've decided to be the Jashan of the predictions this week. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm leaving Jashan to be the me and predict Verlek Ham. <sighs> well, obviously, Liam Lawson will be leading uh, free practice one. <laughs> um, that's bona fide. No, um. Ah, oh, Paul. Pole, 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 pole. Fuck it. Russell to take pole. <laughs> to, to go one better than last year. He's going to become the spa master, Matthew. The sparster, if you will. Um, <laughs> he won't win the race. Mr. Belgium. I'll, I'll, I just, I've got to manifest. I'll take Leclerc to win the race. Ferrari will sort their issues out. The Red Bulls will both crash. And the title fight will be back in action fully. I'm taking Leclerc, Russell, Sainz. Bang. It's happening. I'd be happy with that as a podium. Fair. I'd like to see your podium. Oh, you know, I'd probably like to see your, your situation more just for the title fight. But obviously, I'd love George Russell to win a race. Hell um, yeah. Yeah. Hell right, yeah, boys. Fair enough. Any, anything else? Any, anything like um, some extra surprises you're thinking for Belgium and that? Obviously, as oh. much as we are um, gun-shy of the rain last year, would you rather it be a dry or, like, a, a damp, changing conditions race? Uh, I'd rather it... I Look, if it's wet, I'm not going to be angry, just as long as it's, you know, not, not like, pool. rained out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, completely same. A wet yeah. race would be great. Last year, we just don't need that again. No, exactly, like exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, it's, I'm keen. I'll be able to watch it live. I'll be able to watch all the races live from now on because obviously without, you know, it, not starting work at six in the morning has freed up my time considerably. So I'm looking forward to it. I want to get some Belgian you chocolate. Normally, what, time do your, what time do your bar shifts normally finish? Uh, on Sunday, 11 o'clock. Oh, okay. So if you hustle hard home. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... Because what time, what time is this? I assume it's a midnight race. Uh, Belgium, 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 Belgium. 11 o'clock, bastard. Well, I'll be watching it on about an hour delay. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, I will probably not. Depends what I have on my Monday, but with my, my sleep schedule is pretty, I'm currently operating it just before. 
if I set no alarms, I'm a, I'm waking up at just before six. So I doubt I will be watching it live because I'll probably be going to bed at like ten. But yeah. I will be watching it first thing on Monday morning, I imagine, and I will happily ride the gauntlet of assuming that it will just be a good race and sinking my teeth right into it. Hell yeah. Love sinking um, teeth into stuff. Beautiful. One of the horses will be back in the points this week, I think. Big cool. As will Valerie Bottas. Now, is are we are we dipping into F2? Yeah. We are. Or just uh, we'll try, try and keep it sub half an hour yeah. if we can. Yeah, I gotta um, take a massive dump. So if you'd like to, in, you, you, would you like to do the transition slash intro to F two while I do that? Sure thing. Awesome. Let's see if this times out. Let's squeeze this one. Oh my god. Oh, I've there is no way it's gonna time. How long do you think my intros go for? Strange, strange man. Oh. All right. So that is the F1 uh, half of our podcast done and dusted. But obviously the return of F1 also remains the return of F2 and F3, who are also triple headering in these next coming weekends. Um, final three rounds of the F3 season. F2 comes back for one final stop in Abu Dhabi two months later because scheduling. Uh, but yes, um, yeah, we'll probably jump right into it. There's actually been a few big headlines that have come out of F2 in the last few weeks. What do I need for this championship? Nineteen seventy B. So many drops.
Oh, that was huge. <clears throat> Sorry, I was holding that one in for a hot man. All right. Let's do it. All right. <clears throat> Where are we? Okie dokie. Let me bring up my list of things. All right. So, yes, quite a few headlines that we can touch in on here. So, I'll just start running through with, first of all, um... So driver movements. Yo. So Jashan, you uh, mentioned when we were talking about um, women drivers and age of people in F2 that Jake Hughes is doing pretty good. Well, he was, but Jake Hughes, done for the rest of the season. He is huh. opted out of for this season, having missed the last two rounds with COVID. He's going to instead be focusing his attentions on, uh, he's looking to secure a drive in Formula E next season. Ah. Uh, and uh, Van Amersfoort, she'll be replacing him with, by the sounds of it, David Beckman for the rest uh, of the year. Beckstar! Back in uh, action. What a king. He can't be stopped. Elsewhere, Shem uh, Bolakbashi and Sharuz have parted way by mutual agreement uh. for um, Bolakbashi! For rounds uh, and replacing him at Sharuz for the remainder of the season will be Tatiana Calderon back for her second stint in Formula 2, having previously competed in the category in 2019. No shit. Uh, in more recent times, she has been competing in IndyCar this year with uh, AJ Foyt Racing and bringing up the rear of the field, but hey ho, hey ho. Hey ho, let's go. Okay. She's also twenty nine. She's also twenty nine, which is the, my case in point of like, what's the point? Mm. Um, but alas, uh, elsewhere, uh, Ollie Caldwell is out this week, suspended, uh, having accumulated too many penalty points. In obviously, we everyone knows our thoughts, and particularly Jashan's thoughts on this show about Ollie Caldwell. But at the same time, this has got to be one of the stiffest suspensions I've ever seen handed out. Of all of his infringements, exactly none are for contact with any other drivers. One is for almost hitting a mechanic in pit lane. That's understandable. I'll cop that. That is, you know, that's dangerous. Don't want to be doing that. Be he then has that. two which are for impeding another driver in qualifying, which, you know, not great. But, and then the remainder are literally all just for having exceeded track limits, which... <laughs> <laughs> yeah look and that's that's one of those things f1 needs to fia needs to be doing more for overhauling this whole track limits issue um if we've now had a driver basically get suspended for having exceeding track limits too many times but regardless uh so he will be replaced by jashan's favorite son larim zendeli oh yes yes and what this what this has meant uh, with, obviously, David Beckman off the market. Roberto Meri is busy in Super GT in, I think, Japan this weekend. And Zendeli, having already been drafted in to replace Caldwell. Uh, Ralph Boshong is going to have another crack at returning from his uh, chronic neck troubles this weekend. He will see how you go. Obviously, there will be no one to fill in for him if he can't pull through, but he is yeah. going to have another attempt at making his return this weekend so yes okay. that's the um driver shakeups there anything you're um excited for there jashan obviously disappointed to see bollock go 
Uh, I'm very disappointed. Um, did, was there a reason given as to why they're, they're pulling the plug? Just don't think he's good enough. Uh, I don't think I don't think Holderon's good enough either. But. Um, just as Balabashi's contract has been terminated by uh, mutual, mutual consent. consent. Yeah, I see. The um the only headline I've found uh is more on the angle of Haryana uh joining. Yeah. Uh, returning the to the category the more so than Balabashi leaving. However, a bit <laughs> ironic because I did a bit of looking um couple of days ago before this was announced like yesterday into just what was on the f2 website in terms of news and no more than or on the 16th of august so nine days ago uh they released an article uh to do with chambolic Barsi with the headline being progress has been good but i've got to raise the targets now bollock Barsi. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, oh no that's aged well oh no um, you love to yeah, see it so the targets are now finding a seat to drive <laughs> um, yeah. I guess so <laughs> oh buddy bit of a bummer but it is what it is oh look, um, it's great to more... see Liam Zendeli back in action um, obviously absolutely is, is he there Hold on, 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 hold on. Yes, the Albanian sensation back in. Oh, Matteo Nanini guy. Oh, mate, if Matteo Nanini finds his way back into the sport, I'd be. Oh, 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 out of control. Beckman, yeah, bummer. He's not very good. Yeah, I'll be keen to see. Hopefully, Zendeli can can pull out a good performance this weekend. That'd be nice to see. Um, in that in that camp, loss, who knows? <laughs> and Calder, yeah, it's that's and it's a bummer to see. Honestly, just a bit of a bummer. Two of my favorite drivers are gone with Hughes and 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 Bolibashi there. So a bit 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 uh, gassed to say the least. Um, Caldwell, I think the grid will be better off without him for the weekend. So that's good. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I find it odd that these teams do that. Like, I get it if you if you're you're bringing up a guy from F three, who you know just has something you want to get embedded into the into the car for next season, perhaps. But to just straight out replace a driver with only four races to go on the championship seems odd. So maybe uh, there's it's... something else going on there. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just. It's the nature of F two. There is always in season drive movements. There's never yeah. you normally at least have one or two guys who don't see the season through to the end. And you know, like Hughes isn't as I said, Hughes isn't really going anywhere. If Hughes isn't planning on being in the category next year, yeah. Why well, not? Wants to focus on um, yeah. And yeah, the Pollock Barshi one. Whether it's a funding thing, I might wouldn't surprise me if Calderon probably brings some backing. Through the table, yeah, yeah. So like Bashi does, so it could just be as simple as a financial thing. Interesting. Cheruse. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, Metaverse is the future, Matthew. <laughs> Indeed. The uh, next thing um, I would like to touch on, though, is obviously um, a couple of rumors that have come out regarding. Potential landing grounds for a few drivers uh, next year. Obviously, we saw Ooh, in the last bell. season 
we had Marcus Ar- um, not Marcus Armstrong, sorry, Christian Lungard head to IndyCar, joined by a man who had sat a year out, Callum Eilat, and obviously Dan Tickton headed off to Formula E. There has been some rumours in, I've seen a few different publications talking about the possibility that, yeah, Marcus Armstrong is being rumoured for a possible switch to IndyCar next season. I think Ooh. we both agree we wouldn't be expecting Marcus back for year four in F2. Um, quote here, obviously, it's thing. He's former teammate, Lungard, and obviously, Eilat have made that jump. Uh, Lungard was quoted as saying, I think Marcus for sure would able to be fast. I was teammates with him in 22 and F2. I know he had a very tough year that year, but I know Marcus is a good driver. Mm. Uh, Lungard himself, as I think I've probably touched on in these shows a couple of times, he's doing very good. He is, I think he's about 15th in the um, standings, but he is the highest place rookie. He is almost a lock barring a disastrous end to the season, um, to win IndyCar's Rookie of the Year award yep. for this year. And he's Good in man. a decent rookie. Like, last year, the rookie class was almost just went to Scott Black to see him. It was only it was Scott McLaughlin coming across some supercars in Australia, Grosjean running an originally a non-oval schedule, so just the road and street courses coming in from F1, and Jimmy Johnson running a similar schedule to Grosjean coming in from NASCAR. I believe they right. were really the only three rookies running anything near a full schedule. So it was a bunch of veterans and things like that. And McLaughlin, I, Grosjean made it very close because Grosjean got a lot of good like road course results. But McLaughlin almost won Rookie of the Year by default. This year where Eilert and um, Lungard have come in, there's also been three more rookies, uh, Devlin G. Francesco, David Malukas, and uh, Christian Kirkwood. Yeah. Kyle Kirkwood. Um, I think it's Kyle Kirkwood. But regardless, who have all come from Indy Lights, which is obviously the F1, the IndyCar equivalent kind of like of F2. It's their okay. you know, development category. Yeah. Um, so all three strong that who have been running like IndyCar, running ovals and things like that, running IndyCar style cars for, you know, longer in their career. Uh, Lungard obviously has a long way to come on ovals from what I've seen this year, but Lungard has been easily the best rookie on road courses and street circuits. He had a podium a few rounds back in Toronto. Probably should have had a podium the following week in Nashville. Uh, so the F2 guys can definitely make that transition. Um, I think Armstrong could be a very interesting one to see there. The other man who is apparently being rumoured to be looking at making an IndyCar seat, and I think this one makes a lot of sense, uh, Felipe Dragovic. Mm. Obviously, he's about to come to the end of his third year in F2, considering yep. he's well probably odds-on favourite to win the title. He, he, well, he just wouldn't be allowed to compete, but it wouldn't make sense for him to be here. I think we can all agree that even if he wins the title, Dragovic has just at no point really screamed making the move up to Formula One. Maybe um, he slides into that. I don't know. Ooh, ooh, probably even more so than like a DeVries was. He's not, yeah. you know, and he's not academy affiliated or anything like that. So it's fickle. So I think a switch to IndyCar that sort of because that sort of leaves your options as your biggest options are. Formula E, WEC, IndyCar. Um, I think IndyCar, a South American driver, makes a lot of sense Yeah. for Dragovic. For sure. Um, I think both those two would be interesting. So I guess, I don't know. Who, who are some of the others you think are probably going to be graduating, whether they like it or not, at the end of this year? And what do you think about some maybe landing spots where you could see them, where you think might be best for them to go, Jashan? So we've got Armstrong in theory to IndyCar, Dragovic in theory to IndyCar. Um, Amori Cordiel 
to be the new bartender at my uh, at my place of work when Isaac decides to leave. I think that could be a good career progression for him. Um, Yuri Vips to DTM um, or WEC or something like that. I don't know who else. Oh, Daruvula's one. I think Daruvula's probably a guy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Daruvula is like a reserve driver for AlphaTauri for a season and then fucks off to a Formula E or or, or a a whack or something like that. Um, right, I don't think he'll be back in the sport next season. Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Yeah, those, are the, those are the main ones, if I'm not mistaken. Formula Two. Formula Two. Roy Nassani. He'll never leave. The, have you Have you read that uh, article, Roy, Roy Nassani, My Greatest Influences? I I did not. Juan Pablo Montoya. His father and Peter the mechanic. Fair enough. Shout out to Fair Peter. Enough. What a king. Teams and drivers. Yeah, Daruvula definitely. I don't think yeah, he comes yeah. back. I don't think Vips comes back, especially with the whole, you know. Oh, God. Yeet about his racism. Um, yeah, Everyone else I can see coming back. Wait, did you mention Vashore earlier? Oh, that's good. Matt? Matthew, Hume, what? What's good? What's good? What's good? Just keep talking. Pretend like nothing happened. Reno, okay. Reno, well, I asked you a question. Um, did you mention oh, okay. Vashore earlier? Uh, no. You could also I'm be more like I think Lawson is probably the other of the top guys who I. Could see possibly not being in the sport uh, next season. Yeah. Um, and Porsche, Porsche will be a 50-50. Obviously, if Porsche wins the championship, but um, and this will slowly segue us. This will link around and segue us into our next thing. I'm gonna quickly touch on. But um, I actually saw uh, the most recent series, the new series of. God, what's it called? Roads of the fucking. Oh God, I've blanked on what the thing is called. This is. This is oh, uh, Chasing the Dream. Chasing the Dream, that's when the new, the first two episodes of the new season of Chasing the Dream are out. I watched episode one yesterday, which was mostly focused on doing a little bit on Porsche. And Porsche said at the start of that, that they're like, you know, he was like, oh, you know, like that. This this might be my, like, last chance at this or whatever. Mm -hmm. So whether he, he feels obviously that, but um, yet to be interesting, because obviously... If we're talking that Alpha Tower is either keeping... Sorry, Alpha Romeo is either keeping Joe... Or bringing in Ricardo, mm. where's the spot for Porsche, who is a Sauber Academy driver? Yes, indeed. Um, but Lawson, yeah, Lawson, we won. Lawson, Lawson screams Formula E to me. I think Lawson just makes sense to Formula E. You don't think he's in um, probably worthy. being very, very good. Oh, I'm not. I don't necessarily think either is necessarily a better option than the other. Like, oh, I'm not like all oh, the IndyCar drivers are just better. Yeah. There's some bloody good drivers in Formula E. Just, I don't know what it is. Just Liam Lawson, I'm instantly like, yep, that's a dude who I just, that just, he just gives me the vibe of, yes, Formula E, and then he'll end up being, you know, a Formula E championship in a few years. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where... Yeah, a big change in Red Bull like, Academy uh, showing in, in next season is what we're saying, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, I, I think, think Vips and Daruvula are definitely going to go. And if yeah, goes could as easily well. just be 
Alasa Hauger and probably a couple of new bloods, you know. Yeah, well, Hadjar, Hadjar definitely. and Cool. Um Crawford probably. Yeah, yeah, good call, good call, good call. Uh the next thing I have on that. Yeah, so one last thing I just wanted to sort of speculate on before we get into some predictions. So obviously in that um You're not wrong, there are some good drivers in Formula E. Stoffel Van Dorn is in Formula E. Gun. He's um, just become the new world champion. Yeah, I smashed it. Just dominating. Nick DeVries, meanwhile, ninth. Nick DeVries, obviously. Well, I mean, he's the previous world champion. Shit happens. Sure. Obviously, Big D ticked him. Um, where's, where, where, the best driver in there. Giovinazzi, he's right down the 23rd, he's in having yet to score a point. Dan ticked him like, 21st, so, having we, scored a singular point. As we said, because we know, we said that he's a... That's a thing they're in, you know, like I think Tickdom I know is in like, you know, like the equivalent of like, you know, Williams or yeah. like last year's Haas and that. Like these are guys are in like absolute shit cars. Oh, so Sebastian Blamey, fifteenth with thirty points. Former former world champion, yep. Uh, but yes, the last thing. So obviously that chase first episode of Chasing the Dream focused a lot around uh Jack Dewan. Now, Jashan, do you remember all the way back to round one in Bahrain. And do you, can you remember anything about Jack Dewan's race there in Bahrain and what happened to him that weekend? Oh my God, not really. It's a long time ago, to be honest. And fair enough. Neither could I. Obviously, I think we both remember that he was involved in the craziness on the Jetta restart with Logan Sargent. Okay. Um, but I can't say I quickly remembered... I what happened to him in Bahrain. All I really see is the result sheet where he got three points for that weekend. Obviously, three points for Jeddah at his championship was off to a shockingly slow start. Indeed. What happened that race was uh, he qualified pole. Oh, was yeah. front row with Porsche. Vips and Boshong were the second row. Uh, he and Porsche both got a pretty bogged down start. Vips and Boshong shot through. Vips inherited the lead. Okay. Uh, we roll around to the pit stops, and you're not going to believe this. Vips pitted from the lead and had... A slow, a slow pit, pit stop. stop. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, knocked him back in the pack. And so that meant it looked like that Duan was going to sort of shake out with Porsche to be battling for the lead. And on his pit stop, he came in, pitted, came out. Porsche was just pipping him. But obviously, Bahrain's one of these tracks where you come out, you feed out, and you sort of come down into turn one on the inside. And it's a sort of hard apex. So they almost cut across where you are. And okay. just racing incident, so I think Stuhlman was there on the inside. Porsche cut down, probably not even really realizing he was there to take the racing line. A little bit of contact, which broke Dylan's front wing, and I believe he had to pit again uh, and would end up just scoring a solitary point in that race, finishing 10th. Okay. And it got me thinking. So obviously that's me. That's just that one little moment. No one's really fault. Obviously, Dylan, I'm sure, wishes he had his time over again and just braked a little bit early to oh, let Porsche yeah. through. But no one's really massively at fault. They're just one of those freak, unfortunate occurrences. But it's good that you're like, how different a story of this year are we telling the whole way through if Doohan, you're not even going to be wins the race there, but Doohan finished the second there. He scores 17 more points than what he actually did. Yeah. If he has 17 more points to his name in the standings this year, he leaps up from where he sits right now in a tie for eighth on 88 to outright fourth on 105. It's 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 a very if tight he, championship. If he win, oh yeah, if he wins the race, he's on 112 points, only seven points behind Logan Sargent for third. Yeah, and obviously, if he's sitting there, 
I don't think we're talking about this season as a whole as a little bit underwhelming for him at all. But it's also all through those early rounds where we were like, well, he's barely scored. He's off to that. Listen, look at the names of drivers that he's sitting around in the standings. This is not where we would have expected Dylan to be. If he if he operates that whole opening sort of stanza of the championship with 17 more points to his name, he's probably sitting up decently in the top 10 for the whole way through. Conference would be boosted know? as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just a fascinating look at it like that and how yeah how close F2 can be that just one mm. weekend like that moves Dewan from ninth to fourth. Absolutely. Um, and you're talking about a completely different championship picture. Because I think if he's sitting there, hot on the heels of Sergeant toss-up, even with that, you're probably talking... I think... Oh, yeah, I think with his... You're probably talking Dewan... Because you're assuming he'll be keeping, you know... The virtuous is it. You're probably talking to an, at least as one of, if not the favourite for next year's championship. Whereas now we're kind of like, yeah, Sergeant's leapt him. Bestie, I think we both feel, has leapt him. Awas has probably leapt him. And if Fittipaldi's back for another year, we feel like Fittipaldi's probably leapt him as well. I don't think Bestie's leapt him, but yeah. Year's standings. Yeah, I, I think. Do you not think, do you not think Vesti, Vesti's been way better than doing most of the, certainly yeah, the second half of the year? I'm not huge on Vesti. You're more of the Vesti fan than I am. I think Awas has left him. <laughs> we've we've all got our biases, Vesti, done... but Dewan oh, yeah, will but definitely Vesti, yeah, be in know, the conversation the next season for sure. Oh, absolutely. But like, I mean, I just, I what, there's 21 points a... from fourth with Fittipaldi into 11th with Marcus Armstrong. Like, yeah, it is ridiculously crazy, close. crazy, crazy. Close. Yeah, it's just fascinating how um, much one incident. That's the thing that we've been so easily forgotten. Like I'd forgotten that he had the contact with Porsche because it wasn't like a crazy notable incident like Jetta was. Yeah. But like, yeah, that one thing doesn't happen, and it's a very different tale of Dylan's, uh season. Fucking nice. But um, predictions and things you're looking forward to. I think this is our first stop back. Oh, did we race? They might have got some racing in at Belgium last year. I can't remember. Let me quickly. To 2021. They did not race in Belgium last year, which means it was 2019, 2020 when they were last in Belgium. Um, and I cannot be asked. They definitely did something. I think they might have done the sprint race and then called off the actual race. It's not. No, oh, maybe, but it's not. No, because it's. Maybe for so F3 I definitely remember a story there. Like, oh, look at the F2 boys are driving and the, the F1 guys can't I think, even do it. I think yeah. it may have been F, F3 might have been the one for Belgium. Ah, they, yeah. they, had eight, they, had, they had eight rounds. They were meant to have eight rounds and it's not listed here as one of the eight rounds. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we're in Belgium. Back for the first time in a couple of years. What are you, are you expecting more of the same with it being Dragovic and Porsche or more just Porsche based off recent form? Jashan, are we going to see a bit of a... With a change, what are you sort of yeah? What are you what are you looking to, and who do you who do you think are going to be the guys who are up there on come Sunday this weekend? Ah, oh, it's difficult to predict such things, but no, I'll back in Porsche to continue that uptick in form, and and Dragovic to continue his downtick in form. Give me a Taylor Porsche victory, I think, come Sunday. Um, you want me to give you my my feature race podium predictions in, in totality? Yes. Yeah, give me Taylor Porsche up there on the top step. Give me Enzo Fittipaldi second and Awasa third. Yeah. Fair enough. Fuck yeah. Uh, I'm 
going to go with uh, Vesti in third. Madman. Porsche in second. And Fittipaldi to go one better than you predicted Ooh. and get that first uh, F2 win. I also think Dragovic's slide will continue. I think we could be close to a nullify. I think it'll be within... I think, yeah, it's currently 21 points. I'm going to predict it to be within 11. Oh, sorry, within 10. Ooh. Within 10 as we head to... You'd be the guy saying all this time that all the, oh, the championship is done. Rah, 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 rah. I thought it was. And then mm. one... But that's a thing. That one... I just didn't expect there to ever be a weekend where Porsche could haul in 25 points and Drogovic would only manage seven. That's it. I, just I am the superior analyst. I am one podium. I am the superior analyst. It's confirmed. You also picked Dennis Hauger to win the championship, so. So did you? No, I didn't. Who, I you... think I had him up there. I don't think I had him winning the championship. You had him up there for sure. Oh yeah, but that's not the same as winning the championship. Wait, hold buddy. on. F two for you. Two, episode one. Well, we both predicted oh. Prema to win the fucking. Constructors, so oh, yeah, and that was a yeah, that you, was a predicted, you, all, you predicted how gonna come second, so you know, it's not first, <laughs> it's not first, that's all I'll say. Oh, I predicted Porsche to win the championship, so I'm currently looking brilliant, correct? Oh, god, I had on the whole, wait, what was your what was your top four in the championship that you predicted? Hauger, Lawson, Porsche, Sergeant. Boom! I'm I went Porsche, Hauger, Lawson, Dragovic. So I've got two drivers in the top two in my top four. You've only got two from the top three. Just not good enough. That's such a ridiculous good enough, mate. Such a ridiculous <laughs> threat. What? What just kind of parameter is that? That is insane. It's just not good enough. We've both got two guys in the top four in the top four. So bang. What? But mine are, mine are both from the top two. Oh my god. You're a, you're a man-child. Uh, you are a man- You are a man-child. You're a child man. I don't know which one it is. You're- I- fuck. But yeah, so you're going- You're going Porsche to win the race and continue his form. I'm going to continue his form, but Fittipaldi to get- Big Enzo. Win. I love that. Will any of the newcomers slash fill-ins score a point this weekend? No. I am inclined. Except for Lirim Zandelli, who's obviously actually going to win the race. Um, <laughs> secretly, he's my. One hundred. He's my dark horse to win um, the race. <laughs> but I think it's time we probably wrap this up before it descends into uh, any more <laughs> levels of madness. Uh, you can find us on any good podcast player and on Instagram at Online Hub Media. Uh, as always, I have been Matt. The other voice you've heard today has been Jashan. I have indeed been Jashan. That's a great call. And together we have been the collective that is both Rear of the Grid and F2 for you. Nailed it, my guy. Superb. So I've completely blanked on how to start it because I don't. I used way back last Roger week. Roger Tavares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>